the Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. Yes, I am supposed to be on hiatus. Yes, this is the break between Season 2 and Season 3 of the Instructor Podcast. But unfortunately, the DVSA have decided to make some wonderful proposals and news and kick off some, um, well, stir the ship, let's say. So um, I felt like it was important and necessary to come back with a special bonus edition of the Green Room. And it wouldn't be the Green Room without the wonderful Chris Benstead. How are we doing, Chris? I'm looking forward to talking about this because this one appeared in our inboxes um, we knew it was bubbling away, but um, interesting timing in the same week as highway code changes. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm thoroughly looking forward to picking it apart. Well, before we get into the specifics, I kind of want to ask you for a bit of an overview, because the way I view this, because initially we're going to speak about the, I'm referring to as a proposal, so the survey that's been put out by the DVSA, deep can't talk today, it's been that long since I've done a proper podcast. The, the proposals put out by the DVSA about what they want to do. Now, technically, they're not saying what they want to do. They've, they've given a survey asking us what we should do. But the way it's worded for me is them telling us what they want to do. So, for example, one of them is saying that extending the, um, the, the cancellation period to 10 days rather than three. If they were asking our opinion, they would say the current cancellation period is three days. Should that be longer, the same, or less? But they're not. They're specifically saying 10 days. So they have told us what they want to do and essentially asking if we agree or not. So just kind of as an overview of, of the DVSA, can you just give us your thoughts on the proposals overall and also the way that's been put forward and communicated? I'm not aware, stand to be corrected, but I'm not aware of any consultation that they've done where they've changed their mind. So I think what we can read from each of the questions is what they're going to do. Um, I, I, I think they just have to do it. It's the way the government works. Um, you know, you've got to consult, you've got to show that you consulted. Um, I would love to think that they take it on board. All instructors should fill it in. If we could get a record number of responses which a record number is probably over a thousand. I don't think there've been any that have, you know, had lots of instructors res- respond to. Um, then maybe they would take it on board. But actually, it as you said, it doesn't allow us to say we disagree. As such, um, it doesn't allow us to 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 have that scope of, of response. It's very tight. Um, you know, we're being pushed for our open questions uh they they've done the opposite um so you know i think it is it it's a means to an end um and and it's it's quite divisive but a lot of that's in a way of getting us a positive outcome which is lowering the the test waiting times yeah no i i would agree with that i think that the big bug of air for me and and i I don't know whether I'm right to think this way or not, but as you mentioned, a thousand being a record—that's that's pathetic. You yeah. know, when we think of it, it is. There's, there's no, nearly forty thousand of us. I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, even if it isn't, we know that notoriously driving instructors don't fill out this stuff and then complain about when things don't go the way we want. So it's pathetic that that's the outcome when you know less than I try to do maths, less than four percent or five percent of of instructors are actually taking part in this and then complaining about 
about the outcome. I think this could have been done separately. I think that this could have been something that they sent out to um, the public on like a public forum, and there could have been a separate one asking for the opinions of driving instructors. Now, I know they communicate with NASP, and I know that NASP apparently represent us all, but they don't represent us all individually. They represent us as a collective. So why the DVSA couldn't have specifically sent a similar one to us, but maybe targeted towards us, maybe asking for opinions? You know, you've emailed the DVSA before. I've emailed the DVSA before, suggesting our opinions. And we notoriously get the, oh, that sounds interesting. We'll get back to you. Yeah. And then you don't often get back to it. But, you know, the... the at the end of the day, when we're talking about all this stuff, we're beholden to them. We are. We can complain. We can moan. And I've always said that there's nothing wrong with complaining if you try to be constructive or try to dissect something. There's nothing wrong with that. But we are going to be beholden to, to what they do. But I do think that this could have just been put out in a different fashion. Um, I did see a wonderful, uh, I don't know if it was a blog I read somewhere uh, the other day saying, we know what the, if you're reading this from a public perspective, we know what the public are going to vote for. They're not going to say that the cancellation period should go up to 10 days, but they are going to say they want to see driving instructor information. You know, we know which way the public is going to vote on these questions. So, I mean, we'll come into the specifics in a minute, but yeah, I wasn't overly happy with that. Um, However, please, 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 if you are listening to this, go and fill it out. That's not trying to get you to swear you to go any way or the other. There will be a link in the comments. It's all over social media. Just go and fill out the survey, and then at least when it comes out, if you haven't got what you want, at least you've uh, you've got a leg to stand on and say you did your bit. So I am thinking let's go through these one at a time, and we'll share our opinions on these. If you're happy to give your opinions, I'm, I know that you don't like expressing yourself too much so on the survey the first few questions are about yourself you know about your business and and how many employees you've got and stuff then uh we come on to the first one so to what extent do you agree or disagree that the standard period before an unsuccessful candidate can make a further application for a test should be extended from 10 to 28 working days now I may be wrong on this, so I'm going to you know, open myself up to fire from you immediately. But I read that as saying you cannot apply to get another test booked after 10 days. When you can currently, you just can't take the test after 10 days. I, I hadn't read it that way. I'm basing it on what I know of, of the fact that it's, yeah, taking it. Well, that's what I did. 10 working days, isn't it? Yeah. To what extent do you agree or disagree that the standard period before which an unsuccessful candidate can make a further application for a test? Maybe it's just worded badly. Um, the DVSA good that. But anyway, it's currently 10 days before you can take a test. I am rapidly writing that down um, to to question that one. Um, I've, I've got an email going off later, so I'll add that to it. Um, uh, so, yeah, I... I if we assume it's a change to to the norm and they're not, you know, inadvertently trying to sneak something through, uh, he- heaven the thought, it's hard enough as it is. At the moment, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you can't get a test um, that, you know, that easily um, inside on that sort of 10 working day basis. I don't get how that's going to help because if someone is ready, then we want them taking the test. Um, and I think 
that's where we come into it. That's where the examiner should come into it. If you have the the re, what we we always call the rebook and re, retake pupil, where do you know what they cocked up? That was it. It it was silly. It was a judgment call. They've you fixed it before you've left the test centre, and you know it, if they took the test again, they'd be absolutely fine. Do we want them waiting twenty eight days when they're probably not going to feel necessary to invest in lessons? And they're probably not going to be, you know, positively focused on their driving test. Or do we want to clear them through and make room for the other ones that are coming? Whereas if you get the one who isn't ready. So, you know, if we think about all the people that go, it might be a private runner. Um, those ones, yes, we want them to take longer, but maybe the advice could help. I know Ian, uh, Ian Brett. Um, you know, co-founder of DITC, uh, his suggestion, uh, I think it was his suggestion, I'll credit it to him, it came out of our conversation. Um, so if you like it, it was me. Um, but was maybe we need kind of a two-tier approach to, to fails. Maybe based on your result, you know, if you got one serious fault, that was it. Maybe you get 10 days. And then if you got over a certain threshold, because we like thresholds now, um, the, then you then you have to wait that bit longer. Because we have mandatory uh, sets of hours for if you fail, you part three. It, you know, there's a, an industry model around, around that approach. Maybe it should represent how much retraining they feel there should be. That examiners could tick a box and say X, Y, or Z, or we base it on the actual test result um, I don't know if I like the idea, but I think it's probably more thought out than let's just make it 28 days because that'll mean that we can get other people coming to test. Yeah, and I think I, I think we're actually on the same sort of wavelength there. I'm, I think I'm slightly more, I don't know, to the right than you on that almost potentially, which is very weird for me to say. Um, but. When you think of a 10-day, 28-day period, let's take the instructors out for a second. Let's picture um, someone that's gone in their own car. If they book a test after 10 days, there's a chance, and this, I suppose, actually includes instructors, but there's a chance they've not had any further training in those 10 days. Some people be like, no, I don't need to because this was just this one mistake. Well, those same people are still not going to have any same training in those 28 days. That's not going to change their mentality. All you're doing is making them wait longer when you're driving, which could potentially be worse. But why are we saying days before you can take a test? Why are we not saying hours of training before we can take a test, which is kind of what you were touched on there, especially with the the, the, the part three. Why, why is that not the case? Why can the examiner not make a judgment at the end of it based on the result of the test, but also because... You know, we, we all know that sometimes, I shouldn't say no, some examiners will pass someone begrudgingly sometimes. They can't find anything to fail them for. And other times they'll have to fail for someone, even though they deserve to pass despite that, as you said, that one that one thing, you know. And they, they, there's no room to interpretation there. You know, we complained about this with football referees for years. But with they could interpret at the end of the test. They could say, right, you need to have six hours training that's then somehow signed off i don't know how you know that's that would have to be a bigger system change but 
why not let the examiners have that input where they say, okay, do you know what? Yeah, that was a balls up. As long as you, you know, do two hours or or whatever, you can come back and, and go again. The, I don't know if it came to pass or not, but the plan was in, I think, Ireland, um, the examiner was going to be given a bit of leniency to ask at the end of the test in the debrief, what the hell happened there? <laughs> and and to, that could influence the result. So if they showed that they knew and if they, they understood what went on um, and what they should have done, then there could be a bit of change in that. So, you know, I, I think similar would be would be applicable to then wait what's going on. I also don't think they're taking into account how damaging to our diaries it is because we're, we're trying to plan ahead. It's hard enough to say, you know, all right, you've failed, I've got to fit you in, let alone saying, right, now it's going to be a month further down the line all those people whose birthdays I've got booked in are now going to have to be moved, shunted or, or disappointed, or you're not getting back in my diary. And I don't think th- that effect is is being considered. I, I'd like to know what they think the benefit is. And we're not being told that. We're being told th- this is to help. But actually, what's the differential between 10 and 28? Or are they going to come back with a 14 and and at least seem to have responded to feedback? Um, You know, I wouldn't be surprised if we ended up with a middle ground. Um, So, you know, that it's seen to be listened to, but what is the differential between that 10 and 28? I mean, that's it. And if they clarified that either in the question or just, you know, just, just change. You don't need to ask us. Just change it and say we're making this. This is a really good thing. I mean, this is a, what parent filling in this form is going to go. Actually, if my kid fails, I don't want them to be able to take it sooner. I want them to be able to take it later. That's that's going through. There's no debate on that. There'll be ten thousand people that voted, you know, strongly disagree, and there'll be five hundred driving instructors that strongly agreed or, or whatever. But I, I think it's completely wrong mentality. It's a test mindset. They are not discussing further training. They're not discussing remedying a fault. They are discussing a number. It goes back to, oh, I don't want to get political. Um, it goes back to uh, lockdown number three, where Boris said, clearly said, we are going off the data, not date, and then proceeded to give a date. And it is, that's what they're doing here. We are trying to improve stuff, but we're not going to improve it with any kind of actual remedy. We're just going to say wait longer. I, I, I do not get it all. And I, I also want to touch on a point because I did ask uh, the, the members of the Instructor Podcast Premium if they had anything they wanted to add or ask regarding this. And, and Kev Brock did make a very good point around this uh, where he said, just stop with the nonsense around working days just work off calendar days. And, it, it, and like, would, it would save us a lot of time trying to figure out, does it include Saturdays and does it include Sundays? And what about a bank holiday? Yeah. And, oh, hang on, actually, you know, it's it's a month ending in. Why? That changes it as well. <laughs> and also tests are happening on weekends now anyway. So yeah. it, it's, it's pointless. I don't I don't get it, that side of it. But, yeah, it's a good point by Kev Brock there. Um, but, no, I... 
It just, I mean, I read that and that has been the first question. I'm, I was just dumbfounded. I'm like, is this going to be the standard of the survey, the so-called survey that they're, yeah. they're providing us with? And um, we'll find out if that was a standard as we go through. Have you got anything to add to this particular uh, just, question? Instead of survey, I think it is a study of how disappointed we're going to be at the end of it. Uh, <laughs> but apart uh, from that, no. Spoiler, I'm already grumpy. Um, All right, before we move on, let's take a moment to set the table because this is the Green Room edition of the Instructor Podcast. Um, uh, I was going to change this for season three, which is coming out in March, but I will change it now. And all Green Rooms are now going to be available fully to listen to everyone. They're not going to be exclusive to the Instructor Podcast Premium. Instead, there are going to be lots of other benefits over there, including the ability to ask guests questions as we've tied into today's episode episode um so yeah i am terry cook uh, sorry what i will say before i go any further is hang about because we are going through this um uh what did you just call the studies how disappointed we'll be by the dvsa uh we'll be going through this question by question depending on the time we may touch on the highway code we may talk about driving instructor day which is coming up on march the 16th and uh we may even talk about the fact that they are now trialing reverse bay parking at car parks around the uk uh but all that fun and glorious goodness stuff is to come i am your ever splendid host terry cook and it's great to come back for one special bonus episode i'm going to take a moment to chill so please listen because if you enjoy these episodes even while i've been away you could have been getting even more goodness by tuning in to the instructor podcast premium where for 10 pounds a month you get at least another free bonus shows that could be around the standards checks could be around coaching could be around what i uh, delightfully call ted's talks where i'll get a guest to come in and deliver presentations um as well as that you also get some splendid discounts including a 10 pound discount of bob morton's clients Centered learning course, and you also get a 16% discount off of a Go Roadie subscription. So if you signed up to both of those two, you would actually be earning money by signing up for the Instructor Podcast Premium, which I think is a good place to be. And I have checked this with Mr. Benson beforehand, but I haven't checked if I can announce it yet. So this will may well be edited, but it's not in, so we're okay. In February, uh, it is going to be a free month for any members of the DITC. So if you are a current member of the DITC or join up, join up between now and the end of February, then you can have a free month of the Instructor Podcast Premium that also goes out to all current Instructor Podcast premium members who will also get that month for free so if you're a member of the ditc you can get in touch sign up and you will get that for free to try it out and see how you like it it's the free february for the ditc and that's me and that is what i do so i'm going to throw over to chris chris tell us a little bit about you and sell the ditc to us why should we join it so i'm chris benstead and uh you know i am just a driving instructor as my tagline seems to go um, but I seem to be doing loads of different stuff. And one of those is recognising that the industry doesn't have a platform and launching, along with my colleague Ian Brett, the DITC, the Driving Instructor and Trainers Collective, to give all of you somewhere to go to find the information that you need to get the questions answered and to support loads of awesome instructors like Mr. Terry Cook, um, you know, like the instructors that are out there um, trying to support you. Kev, um, uh, who asked the question earlier, is one of them with the ARG group. Um, just trying to promote things so that you know where to, where to go. Working with companies like Marmalade, um, tying up with people like Patterson Law, the top uh, motoring lawyers in, in the country. And 
making sure that you've got the resources that you need that you might not know that you need right now um, when you need them. So that's what we're doing. Uh, the membership is £6 a month for the subscription membership. The website is free to go and visit, so go and have a look, theditc.co.uk, T-H-E-D-I-T-C, because otherwise people forget the the. Um, so, yeah, go and have a look, see what we're up to. Uh, we're up for ideas. So if you've got some awesome new scheme uh, that you're trying to promote, if you're writing a book, which I know there's a lot of those going on, um, we want to shout about it for you. So let us uh, get in touch, uh, come and have a chat, and we'll we'll take it from there. But what we also do is uh, try and make sure that you're informed. Hence, uh, Terry and I like to get together and chat about these things. Um, yeah, you, you did mention Keb Rock and the ARG group there, so I'm going to take a moment. Um, first of all, just to say, go and check that out because he's doing a brilliant job. And the ARG is the Additional Restrictions Grant, and he's just absolutely kicking ass over there it's really impressive what he's doing if you have any questions or concerns or can offer anything go and check that out uh keb rock and his arg group and if you want any further information there is a a bonus episode on that uh, in the archives i think that was from december last year uh, and also a big shout out to kev who won the uh community of the year award i think it was with the latest go rodeo awards and a uh, big congratulations to everyone you all know that i'm a big fan of of Rody and um, uh, what they've done for the industry and the, the awards have delivered. So big shout out to everyone, especially Francis Noakes, who is the influence of the year, who was in my category and kicked my ass. Uh, I'm hoping to get him on this season and he can show me how he does it. So if you're listening, Francis, get in touch and we'll, we'll have you on for season three of the podcast. But yeah, big shout out. He's he's local to me, but I'm not talking about Kev because uh, winning, winning that because he, he kicked my ass twice. <laughs> So you are uh, listening to two losers today? On the up, against, up against the DITC and up against uh, the dark side. Uh, I'm a driving instructor and I'm on Facebook. Um, both communities were in there. But we wanted him to win. So uh, we're happy. Um, I, I was just busy telling people not to vote for us. But um, yeah, no, I was I was very pleased to see because they have worked their asses off. It's not just Kev. He's ve- he's the first one to say there's a whole group of them. But he, he's kind of been, you know, the, the front of things and the name that people recognise. Um, it, it'd be interesting to total up how much extra money um, instructors have managed to get access to because of Kev and his team. Uh, team of instructors so yeah well well done all of them absolutely awesome yeah just just taking a slight detour for a minute because I, I don't think I've ever asked you this um, I've written a couple of blogs about the awards and why I think they're important I've, I've spoke about on this show with uh, Richard Borges of Intelligent Instructor and their awards and Michael Carr of Go Rodeo and their awards and why I'm a believer that the uh, the awards are important for the industry. I just wondered what what your thoughts are on if awards are important and why. I think they're very often not important to the individual um, as, as an award. You know, we're, we're doing what we do. But what they do is they recognise lots of people that are doing awesome stuff. And if if you win it, it's lovely recognition of the fact that you're doing what you do. So the problem is when when you look at them from outside, you kind of think, you know, oh, well, not interested. Um, and then people people don't support them. But actually, it's recognition of, of the bloody hard work uh, that goes into all of these things. 
um, and recognition of the um, of the support that they give. And for me, that is you know representative of what's wrong with the industry is that you know there isn't or there aren't these platforms, uh, these groups that bring together aspects of what we do. So the Go Roadie Awards, the Intelligent Instructor Awards, they they all offer a showcase. They you, We get to see the names. We get to see who's out there working hard. And I think even the winners would say it's not all about the winning. It's it's about the recognition that, you know, that you get from it. Um, and uh, I'm not smarting at all for, for not, ha- not having won three of them at the Go Roadies uh, this year. But I... I fully support them and i think that that it's great and uh i know the the people behind it they get forgotten we think about the winners and the hard work everyone's put in but actually go roadie have you know put a lot of work into making sure that it's out there and and being recognized um as have the others outside the industry as well as inside so you know it does carry some weight and and i think it should carry more yeah, I think that it's a positive thing. There's nothing negative about it. Um, I don't think anyone is coming away that didn't win. I mean, we might joke about it, but I don't think there's anyone who's coming away being negative about it. I think that we're genuinely pleased for the people that did it. I think the other thing is, I think it shows that the standing of, of our industry, you know, we talk a lot about the stuff, we're talking today about some of the stuff that's wrong with it, but... You know, the Go Roadie genuinely created another category this year, which was the best influence. And the reason they did that was so that podcasts like the Instructor Podcast and YouTube channels like uh, Driving Instructor TV that, that Francis Note does. So they had a category and a place to go. And I think that, have I got that wrong? Driving School TV. Driving School TV. There you go. Right. Um, I, I should start watching that if I'm going to have it on the show. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the created this award so that that can get these other people in because there's new things and, and new exciting things from the street. It's not all regimented. And I think that's, that's awesome. I, I really do. I'm a big believer in that, but either way, um, we do appreciate you and instead listen to us two losers discuss about the, the DVSA. Can I just say for, on behalf of both of us, anyone that did vote, cause we don't know, they might have, we might've got one or two. Thank you. Genuinely appreciate you making the effort to do so. Um, and uh, you know, next year, uh, we're we're up for it, so um, you might see us there again. I will continue next year to do the same that I did this year, which is promote the awards, but forget to promote me the fact that I'm in the awards. <laughs> it's not British, though, is it? That's this is the biggest issue. Is is it's not British to go? I'm awesome. Please vote for me. Um, and I I think. Yeah, there's just this kind of bit of us that kind of goes, I, I don't like doing it. I might just be speaking for me. But um, self-promotion, I think, is something driving instructors aren't actually very good at, generally speaking. So, yeah, I think we, that's part of it. Part weirdly, of it. I'm getting better, right? And I'm actually promoting myself by saying that. So there you go. But yeah. let, let's not go down that rabbit hole. And I will say, if you want to... Uh, hear more positive stuff hang about for a bit further down the line when we talk a bit more about driving instructor day which is again based around promoting positivity over the industry however let's have a look at the next question from the dvsa another positive one to what extent do you agree or disagree that we should change the short notice cancellation period for car driving tests from three working days again working days from three working days to 10 working days strongly agree agree Neither agree nor disagree. Disagree or strongly disagree? 
Hmm. Um, it's just a nightmare from our perspective, isn't it? It's hard enough now to know whether, you know, to plan and be able to do that. Short notice moves. You're not going to be able to, you know, move it and then change it. So anyone that books a test in, if it, 10, let's say 10 days, I get they're saying working days, but if it's 10 days, your pupil phones you and goes, oh, I've got a test. It's almost two weeks away. We've got loads of time. And you go, sorry, can't do it. But you've just ended up inside that cancellation period. They can't move that test. So at least when it's three days and they say, oh, I've got a test next week, you can go, sorry, not happening. Because they're not ready, because you can't do it. All of those different factors. I, I just think from an instructor's perspective, going to be a, a bit of a nightmare. And I think they've already seen an increase in no-shows. Um, I, I think this will just create a bigger one. And we can't recoup wasted tests. You know, it, it doesn't work. They're, that's gone. They're time slots. In the same way that when we get a cancellation, we, we can't recoup that lost earnings if we can't fill it. Surely it should be easier for us to fill those slots. I kind of get the logic behind this one in the, the sense that it's encouraging people to cancel earlier so that then you've got more time to fill that spot, hoping to reduce cancellations. So I get the logic, but I have two concerns around this. One is, let's just imagine that goes through at 10 working days, so whatever that'll be, two weeks, whatever. Um, if... If you have a student that falls over that threshold, they're then not going to cancel the test because they've lost some money anyway. Yeah. And that's two weeks away. Now, sometimes you'll get that student who is a little bit borderline and not necessarily borderline in the sense of the car drive, but borderline in the sense of you thinking, oh, should I let them go for the test? You know, they're driving independent, but they're going to panic in pressure. Maybe just them two or three lessons are just enough. But then you get two weeks when all of a sudden they can't cancel because they'll lose their money. So I think that's a concern. And the other one, now, I could be misrepresenting this, so apologies to anyone listening if I do, because it's not my speciality, but it's the intensive courses. You know, I had James Conley on uh, last year, and, and while I'm not the biggest advocate of intensive courses, I don't I disagree with them. I, they're, they're fine, I just, they're just not for me. But, you know, a lot of those might do five days, for example, with a test on Friday. Well. That's no longer going to happen. How can that happen now? Because you wouldn't know. Like previously, you might, you know, do the first two days and you'll know you're not going to be ready. Well, now, again, they're not going to cancel because they've lost the loser test fee. Yeah. You know, I think that, again, I can understand the logic behind it, but I think it's a ridiculously flawed one. Again, this is one that I think the general public will vote against. I think generally ADIs will vote. I don't know how. I can't remember how I void on this one, if I'm being honest, because I don't know. I, I can see the pros and cons for both sides, but I think it's worse for instructors if it's increased to 10 days. Yeah. And I think that, you know, with, with intensives, um, and, and I'm openly not a fan, um, but James was saying that it, he's looking at moving away from that test at the end of the of the of the period but it, that's not going to work at all um I, th I think that there's a better option to this which would be maybe you lose half your fee so 
that puts people off cancelling. But if it's a, you know, they're more inclined to, and then they could still fill it. But that assumes that we're looking at it financially. And actually, the whole purpose of this is to fill the slots. So I, I again, same, same as the first question, I don't think I get why. And if I don't know why, if I don't know the purpose of making that change, yeah, but I, I hate to say on both points, can we have better communication, please? Because um, that's a drum that we're so used to beating. But can we have better p- communication, please? Because I don't get why. You haven't explained why. You've just asked me a question. And if I don't know the purpose, it's really hard for me to answer. Um, and I don't work at the DVSA. So I don't necessarily understand what their perspective is. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't looked at it that way, I'll be honest, in the sense of why are they asking this question? I've assumed it's for, in terms of cancellations, but it, it could be that they just want to try and deter people from taking a test when they're not ready, you know, and yeah. it, it could be that. But even with that, I go back to, I think it was yourself I spoke about this previously, put the test field, you know, that'll deter people from, from taking yeah. it when they're not ready, you know, triple it and make it an actual important thing. Now, I'm not saying 62 quid isn't a lot of money because, and if you're not following Jack Monroe, go and follow Jack Monroe on Twitter. She's amazing. I've been following her for years. She's a phenomenal, phenomenal human being. And if you go and follow what she's doing now, you'll understand that. So I'm not saying it's a lot of money, but so generally the people that are taking driving lessons that are paying that for a two-hour lesson anyway, they're kind of, it's not the end of the world. Whereas obviously if you make it that significant amount, but again, this is stuff that I, oh, dearie me, it's been that long since I've done a podcast. I cannot help but be political. You go back to something like Brexit. I shouldn't be voting on Brexit because I'm not educated enough to make that decision. Potentially as a driving instructor, I should be voting on this if I knew what the fucking question was there for. But exactly, it's... It's either that I'm sorry, don't wish this to be a DVSA bashing episode because genuinely I often fall on the side of the DVSA when other people are are complaining about them. I tend to fall that side, but I just, I don't get it. Either they're telling us what they want to do and hoping that they'll get agreement or they don't know what they want to do. So just throwing a lot of stuff out there to make it look like they're they're doing something. And And who knows? And we don't want either of those to be true. (laughs) <laughs> we, we want there to be thought. We want there to be actual opportunity. It's not all going to work. Um, you know, I think it's important to remember this: is, the, these changes are not the only measures that they're trying to put into place. They're trying to offer out the overtime. No one's taking it. Um, you know, they're, they're offering buyback on holidays. They're, you know, all of these things so that they, um, the, you know, maybe the period of lockdown was enough time off that people are going, actually, don't worry about that. Let's get stuck in and, and let's reduce that waiting list. Um, and then we've got the chainsaw that comes along of, of COVID affecting the test centres, the examiners, the pupils. And, you know, it, it's an absolute you know nightmare. But if we knew why, we could understand. And it, it just comes down to that. Yep. Not ideal. <laughs> um, let's move on. Uh, let's move on to the next. Anything else to touch on on that one? 
No, I've ranted. It's fine. Okay. Uh, so the next question on the uh, the survey slash study into how disappointed you'll be slash proposals. To what extent do you agree or disagree that approved driving instructors should be required to display their certificate during the test? Well, we didn't see this one coming, did we? Um, <laughs> so, you know, they, they want to keep good figures. Um, and there's the option of taking your badge out of the window. So don't put your badge in the window. You know, um, me- means that the figures aren't right. Um, this is going to force people to, to have it there. If this meant that t- two things, and credit to um, to, to uh, Carol Green Greenwood um, for saying these. Uh, I think she she said it really well, better than I do. Um, if this meant that the figures were right and that this meant that I could interrogate the figures and have access to, to them by getting sent a copy of the test report, I wouldn't have an issue with it. Um, my issue with the, you know, beating us with a, an inaccurate stick because they, they're they using the data that they've got because they haven't got anything else, um, you know, I, I don't think that's right. I think they have a duty to make sure the figures are right. So if putting the badge in the window, having to have it there, it puts everyone on an even playing field, that's fine. If I can then interrogate those figures so I get the reports as well, so I can make sure they are accurate, um, and I can then question anything that that is, is wrong, that feels fair. I'm not a big one for fair. Uh, I always think it's it's a poor argument. But I think if you're going to have that kind of effect on instructors, it's got to be fair. Um, I think what people will actually feel a lot happier. They're not going to like the you know the the potential outcome, or they're not going to like being judged. Um, but at least the figures would be accurate. My concern is the badges will be in the window, and they still won't be accurate. I I think I've got a. I don't know how I feel about this stuff, I'm being honest, because for me, I don't care. Personally, solely for me, I don't give a monkeys. I leave my badge in the window. Ideally, they get the data correct. Yes, I'm completely on board with that. Not ideally, they should get the data correct, end off. So for me, I have no problem with them using my data for that purpose. I genuinely I have no issue. So on a personal level, the question is irrelevant for me. I don't strongly agree or disagree, and I hate being the person that answers questions with, I don't know. But I think that I get why some people don't want their badge there. I understand the reasoning behind it, especially if, if like you're saying, the data is incorrect. Um, you know, it needs to be correct. It needs to be accurate. And, and for me... Why can't that data then be real-time data? Why does it have to be a printed report? Why can't there be an online database updated for each instructor after every driving test? And why can't that be the case? Because if that then made it mandatory, you will have your certificate in the window, and then within five hours of a test, you'll be able to see those updated test reports reflected in your score, and you can keep a real-time track of, A, the last 12 months, because we all know what that judges us on, and B, the lifetime score, which in my opinion is probably more important, um, but you can track both of those. I think that will be a brilliant idea. 
if it was accurate, because then you could go on and check and go, actually, no, they've done this wrong. Uh, they've put down a fault for this and a fault for this. That's incorrect. I am going to email them and tell them this. They then double check and rectify. Problem solved. There is no issue there. But instead, as you said before, why? The question is, should instructors have their badge in the window? We as instructors know why they're saying that. But no one else will know why they're saying that. It's, it's, it's a stupid question without, as, as you said before, it's a stupid question without giving the reason behind the question. It is pointless. Um, and I think that for actually, I completely agree. For actually to be make any kind of sense, for it to be anything useful at all, that data needs to be accurate. And until that data is proved to be accurate, it's pointless. Get a real-time database run up and run. Increase the driving test to 150 quid. Use some of that money to hire new instructors and create a real-time database for driving instructors to use. And all of a sudden, things start looking a bit better. And being able to claim or accredit tests uh, that you're not able to turn up at. So, you know, a way of saying, I have this test going today. I appreciate, you know, if, if there's someone who you've said, you're not ready and they're going to go on their own in a private car. You know, you don't want that against you because actually you've made the hopefully right choice. But when you can't be there or you've got multiple tests at the same time, you know, you can't be in two places being able to say that's going to be one of mine on that day that we, we go on there and we say, yes, there's my badge number. I'm claiming that one. In advance, you can't do it afterwards. <laughs> when they're passed. <laughs> Just to be clear. Um, you know, I'll only take only take the ones that pass and, and I'll ignore all it. No. In advance, you go, yes, I'm not able to attend, but I support. I sponsor. I, yeah. I endorse. Whatever word you want to put to it, um, that that's going to be one of mine and I'm willing to stand by that. Um, because, you know, I'm, I'm a, a good example I don't have a car. Uh, I'm not out there, uh, except it's a you know it's an unusual example. But I'm not out there in a car because I'm doing my, doing theory training uh, online. But I am still taking out a few people. Normally the sub stories where you know other instructors haven't been able to fit them in, and they've got their own car. Now I don't necessarily need to go with them on the day. It's actually you know if they don't need me, that's fine. But those figures wouldn't go against me. So I just feel, again, fair um, would be being able to have whole and accurate figures. And do you know what? If you want us on board, have figures that we can't criticise. Because then we can't argue with it and say, oh, yeah, it's because, you know, it's going to be something that we've got to accept it is what it is i accept we're driving instructors we don't do that um and and we'd argue our way out of paper bags and all sorts but um i think the better the figures the the better your case if you if you then want to you know want, want to make changes um and then at that point you could maybe have the evidence and the the plan for the change unlike random questions i agree and again i, I look at this question and i think if this question said if the DVSA gave you the option to endorse people in their own vehicle prior to a driving test, and the DVSA did their utmost to make sure data was accurate, 
And part of that was to have a, a live or almost live database that you can access online. Would you be happy to have your certificate in the window for test? I'm pretty sure 99% of the instructors say yeah there. Because that's a different ballgame. But instead, the question says, would you be what do you think driving instructors should have their certificate on tests? Well, driving instructors will think one thing and people other people will think another. <sighs> Anything else to add on that? I think we're going well so far. You can um you can tell it's been a while since I've done a podcast because I'm very ranty. <laughs> um or a driving instructor podcast, I should say. Uh, all right, so the next one's coming batches of three. Uh, all right, so these coming batches of three, but we'll do them one at a time. Um, to what extent do you agree or disagree that consumers would benefit from knowing how well, on average, a driving instructor's pupils did when they took their driving tests? So the assumption is that would be um, serious faults, dangerous faults, driver faults, um, not just pass and fail, because they would have put pass rate otherwise. It, it's it's a fault-based thing. I don't think that means anything to any any anyone in the public. You then assume that that's a representation of how well the instructor is is doing. But it, the the obvious jump is always to then say um, pupils with specific needs that those instructors would you know where there's a specialism they would they would get different results um, intensive versus yeah it'd be interesting um, I'd I'd like to see those figures but surely we can do more internally with those figures than putting them out to the public where I always say pup- uh, pupils and parents of pupils buy on the three P's personality, price, and pass rate. And they're the three things you get asked about. But actually, they're not the important bits necessarily. Um, it's the conversation that you then have. So not a fan um, I, I, because I don't know the reason. Um, what do they want to do with it? You know, it, it's, it's getting you to tick yes to, please, can you send me loads of crap emails by making them look like they're going to be a benefit. And we all end up unsubscribing at the end of that. We're not going to have the option to unsubscribe. I think you've kind of touched on to the second of the three questions there, which was, do you think there will be any benefits or risks resulting in this? For me, I don't see any benefit. I don't get what the benefit will be from having pass rates or, um, or how is it phrased? A driving, how well driving pupils did when they took their driving tests. I can't see any benefit there at all. Uh, you know, God, I just, you said the three Ps. I, I, if you're easily offended, turn away, turn off now, right? I immediately go to four, which is paedophiles. Because that's who you do. That's possibly the most important thing. Why? Why is pass rate prioritised over that? Why is that yeah. what we're talking about and not? You know, I'm going to touch on to the third question here actually because I think I can't say my piece on this without coming into the third question in this bracket, which is what to what extent do you agree or disagree that an overall performance band would be a useful indicator of the driving instructor's performance? And the reason I've said that is because I think all those three are kind of lumped in together. And I think that you run the risk, especially if you create some kind of performance band. What the fuck is a performance band? Are they going to give them out to instructors to wear? Is this what it is? Yes. Are we all going to have 
right at the minute i'm fucking red right i'm like danger that's what i am right it's gonna be like you're gonna be wearing uh, what did they do to lepers and and wear bells didn't they it'll be like that don't come near this instructor he's got a red band you know what, what are these bands gonna be right to me this is how the rich get richer in the, I've got, this is an extreme example, but it's one that's come in my head, right? You imagine that you're a driving instructor and you're not doing very well. Maybe your pass rate is a bit low. Maybe you are struggling and you want to improve. So you think, okay, cool. I'm going to save up some money and I'm going to go invest in myself. Then everyone sees that you're wearing a red wristband that tells you not to come near you because you're shit. So no one comes to you. So you can't save up money to actually then go and invest in yourself. Now, it's an extreme example, but I, I cannot possibly see any benefit from that. <laughs> That's not where I went. <laughs> um, <laughs> i just got to say that first. I, I'm loving the addition of paedophiles. I don't think it's what I'm going to say to my customers on the phone. Um, but do you know what? I think you've hit the nail on the head that that's a concern. Um, two of the calls today that asked for a female instructor definitely had concerns uh, concerns there. And, you know, um, they have now booked in with one of our male instructors. But I think it was the phone call that changed it. Um, so, yeah, on the surface, definitely. Um, don't we have a two-band system already? With what, this magical A and B? Is, is that not a representation of achievement of driving instructor supposedly and um I, I i like the standards chat i'm a big fan of it you know um i'm not sure i like the a and b bit but i i if you took away the a and b and went with score um maybe that's a representation that would be equivalent um i i don't particularly like the idea of it being a public thing because i think it's a measure not the measure. No, I think I think it was Bob Morton that when I spoke to him about people, one of the first questions people ask him when they inquire is about prices. And he said, What else are they going to ask? Yeah. What else do they know to ask? They know to ask for prices. As you said, what people, prices, and what were your three P's that didn't include? Personality, price, and pass rate. Right. Well, two of them they'll ask about, one of them they'll discover. So they're going to ask about uh, pass rate and, and, and prices because they don't know what else to ask. So if there was this magical database that appeared that had every driving instructor and it was really easy to access, you just said it to Alexa and she told you whatever, it was just going to demonstrate that pass rate. And I think I think it was Kev Brock and his message to me that, again, that spoke about, and you mentioned it, SEN instructors. Females, and this isn't sexist, it's, it's on the stats, females have a lower pass rate than males. The reason why is irrelevant. We can discuss that another day, but they do. So are people that work solely with females, and bear in mind, I think I've said this before, like 90% of my client base is female, not from choice. I seem to be a preference. Men don't like me generally, present company excluded. Um, but... No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this wasn't, that wasn't aimed at me. Actually, it was aimed at more female instructors and female schools. But um, will that be taken into account? Why should their pass rate, which is notoriously lower as females or as SEN uh, students, why is that 
will that be put in the same category? Do they get a different colour wristband to wear? I, I cannot get my head around this because as well, I would understand it. And again, maybe it's just really, really, really bad wording. The fact that they put overall performance band rather than standards check grid. You know, yeah. maybe it is literally just going to say A or B. Maybe that's what it will be. But the specific list is overall performance band. I have nothing to hide. If anyone was to ask me what grade I was, I would tell them I'm a B. If anyone would ask me what scar I got, I would tell them if I could remember. If anyone asked me my pass rate, I would probably have to guess, but I could tell them what it roughly is. I could tell them what it is this year, which I'm annoyed about, whatever. But I have nothing to hide, but I don't want it publicised. That's not someone else's job to publicise my data. That's my role. But it's, it's also because if people are buying on that, then they're not looking at the other stuff. And, and you know, you're instantly going, okay, let's filter out all of those. I know, if we just look at A and B, I know some awesome grade B instructors and I know some shockers that are grade A. And if you were just buying on that, that's not going to represent the industry. And none of us should want misrepresentation of what good is because we should all be aiming to be good because good is what keeps people safe on the road. And if that's what the DVSA is looking for, then, you know, and it should be. But whether safety has been top priority has been questionable for a while since the B plus E change, which we're halfway through still. And, you know, it, this seems to be focused on just the the length of the waiting list and getting through that. How does how does that help? It doesn't. So I don't. I'm not going to say I don't understand again, but I don't. Well, again, all this, all these three questions, it's all based around test stats. It's all test centric. Solely test the way to fix a test is to focus on the test, and there's an element of truth in that. But you know, if if. I think that when it comes to performance bands, you know, the, the one I would acknowledge is I can only describe as a, what I think of as a driving instructor plus. So for me, I'm not audit trained. I'll use that as the example. I'm not audit trained. I'm a driving instructor. I would happily go in a driving instructor band. That sounds funny. Do you want a form one? I can half play a keyboard. Uh, but yeah, I would happily go in the driving instructor band. <laughs> but maybe there's a band that's driving instructor slash audit trained. You know, that to me would be acceptable because that's not divulging anyone's specific data. I think it's divulging the further training someone has taken. And I think that's a good idea. So whether someone takes a, a, a course in safeguarding or whatever, I mean, I'll go back to what I was saying before. Uh, and I don't think I've said this on the show before, so apologies if I'm repeating myself. But a few years back, I had a student, she'd had two instructors prior. And she would tell me about the first one who was an instructor who always used a phone. This is what the, the learner was telling me. The instructor always used a phone while she was driving and she was always texting and stuff like that. The second instructor was a bit handsy, sent some inappropriate messages, stuff like that. And she said to me, so as long as you don't do anything illegal and as long as you're not a pervert, you'll be my best instructor so far. And I thought, that's a really low bar. If that's what you're judging me on, and thankfully I achieved that level, and I'd have been pretty disappointed in myself if I hadn't. But I think there's more pressing issues there than what someone's pass rate is. Yeah. I'm, I'm not being funny, but 
I, you need driving instructors to stop doing dangerous things and stop doing that illegal stuff. You need driving instructors to stop ripping people off for money, which we see happen as well. You need driving instructors, and I said it flippantly before, but it's true, to stop being inappropriate with their students. And that doesn't mean, before anyone shouts at me, that you are not allowed to go on to form a relationship with your student. That student could be 40, you could be 42, whatever. You know exactly what I'm referring to. We need to stop being inappropriate with your students. The, to me, this is what needs tackling. And I, I'm pretty confident that if you tackled that, you would actually get rid of a lot of the people that didn't care about the job anyway and yeah. reduce some of that those poor quality instructors. I feel like I've, uh, I may have gone a little bit far with a couple of those comments, but this, that's what I believe. I think that's just, I think all of those points are nonsense. I think there's absolutely no benefit to them all, other than the idea of the DVSA potentially sitting there craftily thinking, hmm, if we only get driving instructors that have a 100% pass rate, we're going to have a 100% pass rate. Let's get rid of all the other fuckers. Who knows? Should we move on to the next question? Yeah, I think we should. Oh, what I will say, um, under that one, there was a, what other information would you find useful in choosing an instructor? So maybe someone will put that down, you know, either way. Uh, okay, so next couple. Can anyone filling it in? Because they might listen to this and then go and answer it. CPD. I know they're three letters that people don't like hanging about together, but what people have done. So actually, you know, what makes them as good as they are or what, you know, what, they've done to improve themselves i think that you know you, you've touched on that but that could go in that box yeah and um yeah so the next two questions that are paired together uh, i will i will say them both because we can cover these in one go to what extent do you agree or disagree with the removal of the need for the eyesight test to be conducted in good daylight and to what extent do you agree or disagree with the DVSA having the flexibility to conduct the eyesight test by means other than reading the number plate attached to the vehicle? As long as it's fair, I don't care. As long as it's accurate, I don't care. Why are we not just getting them to get a certificate from the people who are really good at eyesight tests, the opticians, and then have a valid eyesight certificate? Because then the DVSA don't have to do it at all. I was hoping to have uh, Love Day Rider on this series of the podcast. That's not going to happen because another stupid question, pointless. Uh, what's, why, that's not something you need to ask us. Just change it. You don't need to do a survey to find out, hmm, should we make it a little bit more fair? Should we make it so that this is a bit more accurate? Just, just do that. You don't need a consultation on that. But the measurement's the measurement. Yeah. It, it's, you're either legal or you're not legal. I know I don't see why it's done on the test, to be honest. I agree completely. It's uh, If only there was some kind of professional organisation that could do that prior to a test that you then have to put onto your licence. But then we can bring it in every time you renew your licence because at the moment you get tested. Let's say you took your test on your day after your 17th birthday um, and then you never get tested again unless there's a medical requirement for it. Yeah. So. Let's actually do something that's going to make a difference. Next question. <laughs> I don't think we need to discuss that. Never. That's stupid. Um, there's going to be so many different people annoyed at me. Uh, to what extent do you agree or disagree with the introduction of a digital pass certificate for the driving test? 
Okay. This is a batch of questions, but we'll do it one at a time. Okay. I, I, it, as long as there is one, does it matter? Now, do, do people frame it and keep it? I, I've never come across one. It, the pass certificates, we've already got people holding up. I passed with Jed, whatever it is, um, you know, um, sign instead because they don't data protection. They're not using the certificates anyway. They have zero value to any of us. And d- having a digital version might reduce the data protection issues further. Um, so, whatever. I mean, they've already reduced the size of the certificate by 25%. On them, so. yeah, um, I'm not allowed out of the house, you know. I, I sit, <laughs> sit, sit on my Zoom screen every day, and suddenly um, one of my instructors sent a picture, and I was like, that bloke is massive. He's huge. And then I realised it wasn't. I, I genuinely thought the same thing when I saw a picture of someone <laughs> like, well, how big is he? Um, but, yeah, I actually think it's quite a good idea. Um I think it's sensible. They don't need a piece of paper. They're not going to keep it forever. They, they send it to them by email. It reduces the time the examiner's in the car. They can just press send and it's done. Um, so do also, it. Also, not- I'm sorry, if any examiners are listening to this, which I'm sure they don't, but if any are, if you get a, someone in your car that's jumping up and down in the car, literally ecstatic, crack a smile or... or I know you've got a mask on, but appear pleased they're past. Um, yeah, but again, others, it doesn't. Why do you need to consult us on that? I appreciate you want to pad out the survey, but I don't need consulting. Um, to what extent do you agree or disagree with the introduction of a digital pass certificate for the theory test? Okay. Same, same answer. Same answer. Yeah. Same answer for me as well. Yeah. Um, do you think there would be any benefit, any benefits or risks resulting in the move to digital certificates? Yes, because it's a technology solution and their track record with technology solutions has not been great. Um, what happens when it goes missing? Because um, I'm assuming it's going to be emailed. Um, what happens if it goes missing? How do people get another copy of it or proof of it? Had a pupil who was pulled over by the police a week after... They actually it wasn't. It was it was quite a while after, but she'd had to send off uh, t- to get her address changed or something, and uh, the police pulled her over. She couldn't prove that she passed her test. You know, she needed that certificate at that point, and she's had a whole heap of legal issues from that because you know she she was ticketed for for driving not in a you know not accordance with her uh, her license. Because uh, they said it was a provisional, none of it was her fault. But sorting that out has been an absolute nightmare for her. So it's an example, uh, you know, and you're always going to get them. I just think having a certificate is important. So there's got to be measures in place. Yeah, I mean, if you, you get the digital certificate, you can print it off yourself anyway. But the with the issue, the sort of comparison would be as a tech solution. Uh, the uh, fault report coming out at the end of the test. The the I'm assuming it's still called a DL25, um, but we'll call it that. Um, so the email version of that, if it goes missing, tough. So yeah. you know, um, we can't have that. We can't have email errors meaning that's it. You know, go and retake your test. Um, there's got to be measures in place for if it goes wrong. 
Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Although I think that the problems that may arise or the risks that may arise from this are very similar to the risks that with a paper certificate, just technological side rather than a paper side. I don't see there being any greater risks, just a different risk. Yes, and it, but it's, out, it's an out of our hands risk. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you 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 can you can treat the certificate like it's a baby. Um, and, and as the DVSA fully know that once someone passes a test, because we only teach them to pass a test, we then no longer have an interest. We delete the number and viewers take their phone calls. Yeah, definitely. We we never do training after they pass. Yeah. Um, okay. Anything else on certificates? Right. Next. Oh, okay. Uh, that's all the questions because the next one I've got is a picture of uh, the cover out of Dipod. I don't know why that's there. Can't remember what I got that for. So yeah, if uh, if you are missing the instructor podcast, make sure you go and check out uh, Dipod. Cracking little podcast has its moments. Uh, both me and Chris have been guests. Wonderful people. Um, okay. So any any other thoughts on that? Um. No, I I think that the. The other thing that came out of the same email was that they've relaunched uh, or they're redoing the ADI survey, um, and and that's asking about you know what's your business like at the moment. Uh, I tried to fill it in, and it's too limited to actually allow me to answer. Um, I think what we're we saying really that the kind of strapline is: can we have more communication and information, DVSA, please? Um, it's nice that nothing's changed despite COVID. Yeah, um, I agree. And I'm just going to mention as well that, uh, as I said, I did, I did give the option for all my wonderful uh, uh, premium members to ask questions and comments. So it was Kev Brock that got back to me, and I think we've covered everything he mentioned there, and I put in some of his comments as well. So so that's good. So a slightly lively episode. Um, there we've got a little bit of time to touch on a couple of bits. So let's uh, speak for a minute about driving instructor day. That was yes. um, uh, two amazingly talented and at least one of them is good looking people decided to come up with uh, driving instructor day, which is um, all about celebrating the positive side of the industry. Um, so share your thoughts on driving instructor day, March the sixteenth, Chris. I oh, it's it's great. I, I think. You know, anything that is going to give us the opportunity to highlight what we do, um, to be part of a club, um, you know, I would say United by a green badge. Um, I, I allow the pink ones into that as well. But I, I always think people rally round because we've all got something in common. So it's nice to recognise that and to just have a date in the diary that's yours. So you can do what you like with it. You can take a day off. Um, you could do the opposite and teach everyone for free. Um, you you could uh, you know arrange to meet some driving instructors for a coffee and put the world to rights. Um, it is what you want it to be because it is your day. And uh, Terry's done done some great work putting a website together and making sure that that's out there. Um, and we've got people recognising it and willing to shout about it. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing what comes of it. It'll be it'll be really interesting. Indeed, if uh, you would like to be a supporter of Driving Instructor Day, which, as Chris mentioned on the website there, drivinginstructorday.com. I did not have to check that. Uh, drivinginstructorday.com. Head over there. Uh, you can find uh, the supporters page, and all we're doing is putting the, the names of the companies up. So it could be a driving school, could be a business, whatever. And we'll put a link back to your page on there as well. But just drop us an email. Uh, just 
you can go straight over there. There's a form to fill in. You can or email us at um I've forgotten the address, but you can find it easy enough on drivinginstructorday.com. Uh, and yeah, I, I second what Chris has said. Uh I I have a lot of people asking me, well, maybe not a lot. Some people have mentioned me to ask what they should do on driving instructor day, which again, to repeat, is March the 16th. And I don't mind. Do what you want. It's not It's not mandatory. You don't have to take that off. You don't have to do anything. I appreciate that it was a, a fairly kind of short notice thing that came about right at the end of last year. So a lot of you may have tests put on that day. You may have lessons you want to do. There's nothing required of you. It is purely a day to try and put some positivity in celebrate our, our industry. My recommendation is take the day off. That's the first thing. I am taking the day off. I'm doing no lessons. I'm doing no CPD, nothing like that on that day. It's a day where I'm just going to sit back and do nothing like that. What I may do, and I haven't decided yet, I may do something online. I may do a video. I may do a Zoom call and invite people to join me. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. But what we will also be doing is on the Facebook page and on the Twitter account is whatever you're doing, I want you to share it, and uh, you can put pictures up, you can put posts up, you can do whatever you want, and use the hashtag Driving Instructor Day. That'll get retweeted on on Twitter, it'll get shared on Facebook. Hopefully, there'll be a few of you doing it, it should be awesome. And any pictures, as long as we get your permission, will go onto the website as well to as we roll over to next year. And just in case anyone's wondering, the reason it was March of 16th, because that was the date of the first ever passed driving test. So it felt appropriate. Um, but yeah, just a day to be positive. So what I don't want to see is people mourning. No mourning. We'll get out of the system today on this podcast. <laughs> imagine it now that there's going to be the first driving test. It's going to be a bit like when some of the changes have happened, like the, the sat-nav and what have you. But the first driving test and all the instructors going, what are the examiners going to be like? They've got <laughs> nothing to base it on at all. At least we've got history. Um, and going, you know, what's it going to be? And that first that first pupil, I like the fact it is the first one who passed. Um, yeah. We'll assume there were, were others before. But, um, yeah, I, I just think, imagine what we'd be doing now if, if this was suddenly coming in as a brand new thing. Uh, I will just say as well that I'm genuinely really chuffed with the, the feedback I've got about it because I am guilty. I'll be a negative at times. I mean, you've heard me get a bit grumpy today. Um, some of this stuff hasn't pleased me, hasn't amused me. Um, and it, I think that at times we are quite a negative industry. I've spoke about this before. And I do think that's justified at times. I do think that at times we've had, well, over the last two years, we've had a really rough deal. But I think that it's worth taking a step back and being positive. And some of the feedback I've got, through text, through messenger, through tweets, through comments on Facebook, just through the likes that the Facebook page is getting. I I was genuinely thinking about get two or three people that go, oh yeah, let's you know, let's just mention it. But it's actually been really positive. So if anyone um, has has contacted me or, or commented or liked or anything, really, really appreciate that and and thank you. So yeah, driving a shop day, March the sixteenth, Chris. Do you want to have a, a, a bit of a chat about the highway code changes before we wrap up? Because that seems like a really innocent, innocuous topic to mention. It, I, I still feel like it's a bit of a fu- bit of fuss over nothing. Um, and the best thing I've done, firstly, I'm going through creating videos uh, for anyone to use. Um, they'll, they'll be available on the uh, DITC YouTube channel. Um, you can, you know, if, if, if you want a, a copy you can edit and do something with shout um so you know whatever you want 
they're available for. Um, so I've, I've listened to the stuff and read it through what's actually on the page numerous times because I kept going wrong um, to get them right. And uh, and then I've, I've had a chat with yourself over it. And, and I think the only thing is the pedestrians at junctions. The rest of it we already do. That's the only thing where something is, is changing a bit. And actually, pedestrians walk out in front of us all the time. We're always talking about it. Now, we can expect it to happen. All of the others are what-ifs. So get your speed right so that it's not going to cause a problem. Thank you, Terry Cook. Um, get your speed right so you're controlling the car behind you and then prepare for someone to be willing to walk out in front of you. If they don't, risk assess it. You either carry on or you stay still. That's it. For me, there isn't really anything else. You know, there's big debates over cyclists. There's big debates over um, how we're supposed to respond. But I think most of it we've been doing, it's been in the theory test for quite a while. You know, don't cut in front of a cyclist and turn left. It's, it's just a, an expansion of that. Cycle lanes haven't been mandatory. They're still not. Cyclists can cycle two abreast. They always could. It was in there. It's just in there differently. And we should be celebrating that the highway code is actually catching up with how good we are and what we teach, the standards that were above the minimum. And hopefully this means the minimum standard, the recommended standard, has been brought up. So we, we should be championing it. And I, I just looked again at Facebook and went, all I can see is people being negative about the changes. And I get it. it it's scary because it's change and we don't like change. Um, yeah, I, I concur. Uh, if, feel free to go and read my piece on the instructorpodcast.com. Uh, the blog over there I did about uh, titled, which, how do you choose which laws to break? And I think that's that's it, essentially. You know, so many people, and, and not necessarily driving instructors, but there are some that I've seen saying it, I'm not going to teach that. I'm not going to do that. Like, really, why is it okay to break that law but not this law? And then you see it about the cyclists as well. Well, you know, why should I have to give way to cyclists? They they don't stop at red lights. I'm like, so? But that's, that's everyone. No, you can't just say because cyclists don't stop at red lights, you're going to run them over. You know, that, that's not the point. You still need to do the best you can, not just as a, a professional in our industry, but as someone that uses the road. You know, and I've been watching, um, diving into Bob Morton's clients at a learning recently, and I've been a member for a while, but I've been a little bit lapsed. Uh, but I've been getting stuck into that on some of his videos. And one of the videos he was talking about, taking us suddenly out of driving. Traffic lights don't suddenly change. It's what they do. And it's like... Pedestrians now won't suddenly be stepping out in front of us. That's a big bonus. They're not going to suddenly do it because we're going to plan on them doing it. Whereas previously it was suddenly, you know, we shouldn't have to slam on now for a pedestrian stepping out in front of us because we're going to be anticipating it and hopefully acting that way a little bit more. So I'm not overly concerned about it. Yes, there will be problems because of it. I do not think that's because of the rule changes. I think it's because people will not be aware of the rule changes. However, what we can do as instructors is promote that, not go and belittle it. When we see the post going up saying you are going to get a thousand pound fine for opening the door with your wrong hand, we can correct it. 
we can champion it, we can promote it, we can try a bit more positive. And again, just to clarify, that doesn't mean we can't complain. It doesn't mean we have to think it's a good idea. We can think something's a bad idea, but still actually do it correctly. Again, how do you choose which laws you're going to break? Um, but as Chris mentioned, you will have some videos coming out. I've seen them. Um, part of them are very good. Sorry. But also, um, if you like this show and you like podcasts, uh, you may be aware of my five-minute theory podcast that I do for learners as well, uh, often ranked in the uh, top 10 of the how-to charts for education. Uh, it would actually be number one, but I recently found out that um, I'd applied it twice to Apple. So they actually split my votes, split my downloads now. So it'd be a lot higher in the charts, which is slightly annoying. It's it's like having the wrong score on your driving instructor um, profile, isn't it? It's yeah, except this is my fault. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yes, uh, the 5-8 theory, it will be out next Monday, and there is an episode there with Chris where we're talking about the changes. It may not benefit you, although it might do, um, but it, it will likely benefit your learners. So when that comes out, tell them, send it to them, send them the link. 5-Minute Theory is available on Apple, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts, including a place you're probably listening to this or... I'm not meant to promote this, but if they're struggling, you can find it on the tcdrive.co.uk website as well. But I, the other one I just want to touch on briefly is um, cyclists and cycle lanes, because we actually spoke about this on the, the five-minute theory, Chris, I think. But I think it's worth mentioning because it's something that I didn't realise. And I was talking about... Um, on the five-minute fair, I was talking with you, Chris, and saying that one of the cycle lanes in Bradford, and it's kind of cordoned off, and, it, you know, I paid attention to the cycle lane on the other side of that road today, and it's absolutely filthy. There's like an inch-thick layer of mud all the way down. You can barely see the road. And I thought, yeah, if I was on a bike, I wouldn't cycle in that. No way. It's going to be more dangerous cycling that. And then when I thought about it, I thought, as a cyclist, where would I rather cycle? In a cycle lane that's well-maintained and safe and away from cars or on the road next to cars? Well, the answer is cycle lane. So they must be on the road for a reason. So even though the highway code says they don't have to be in the cycle lane anymore, there's a reason why they're coming onto the road. And it might be because the cycle lane is, isn't well-maintained. So don't jump to conclusions. I'm not meaning to be preacher here, but I did jump to conclusions and I think I've had a little little bit of a rethink there um, so anything else you want to add around the highway code changes I think it's been covered an awful lot of places an awful lot of people um, pretending to be experts when in reality we still don't technically it's still not gone through parliament technically there's still a lot of ambiguity in some of the stuff I don't think that anyone could actually define themselves as an expert but anything else you want to add on to that other than just doing the best we can yeah, I, I'm looking forward to more information, please. Um, I, I think, you know, that that's the thing, isn't it? It shows how a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. So what we need to make sure is that ourselves and our clients are as informed as possible because then we can do something to control the risk. So, you know, that, that's it for me. I, th I think let's carry on doing what we've always been doing, which is controlling the risk, doing the best job with what we've got, and then looking at every situation and going, how can we best prepare people to deal with this if it were to happen? Um, and then, you know, the, the rest of it is business as usual. Um, I won't say normal. <laughs> I don't know what normal is anymore. Um, but business as usual, and, and we'll 
happily carry on from there. I have noticed um, that there's been a subtle rebranding, that it's cycle lanes and cycle tracks, but there are no more cycle paths. Because I think that, you know, as you being a big horror fan, um, cycle paths are uh, a bit of an issue. Oh, everyone loves a good psychopath. Um, and just to wrap up the episode, because, you know, we won't be doing another one till March, unless God knows what could happen between now and then. But um, the, the DVSA have now announced, I thought they'd announced it previously. Maybe I missed it. Maybe I got mixed up, but they announced that they are now doing a trial in reverse bay parking in public car parks. Um, in certain test centres. I forget the list of them. One of these local to me in Wakefield. I don't use it, but it's fairly local. Um, any thoughts on, on reverse pay parking in public car parks? Yeah, I, I thought it was public knowledge and, and then all of a sudden it was announced and I was like, maybe I shouldn't have been talking about it so much. Um, <laughs> well, there was, there was an email about it and then it went away and then it come back with another email today. So I don't know if it's a second second trial or... no. I, I no, they just. I'm not going to complain because they're letting us know. So that's lovely. Thank you very much. Keep keep the information coming. Um, I yeah. I, I let's see what happens. I don't understand why it wasn't on there in the first place. So does it? Is it really going to matter? They tend to use uh, what we we refer to it as urinal parking. So the empty space between two other empty spaces. Um, and uh, so there's minimal risk. Um, I yeah, I, I'd say it'd be nice to know why it wasn't in there in the first place. No one ever seemed to give me a straight answer on that. Um, I'm just going to see what happens. Just stick my R in for a second. In the, uh, I did read a slightly concerning comment, or at least one of them, uh, from an instructor saying that it's, it's. I think it's a bit unfair that they're giving us very short notice on it. So, how do we know what to teach us pupils if you're giving us a short notice? And I thought, well, surely you teach them reverse parking anyway, not just because it's on the test. And that was slightly concerning. I didn't read the comments on that post because I knew what they'd be. And I thought, I'm not subjecting myself to that. Um, sorry. Right. No. So, so I thought I was all right. And then you go and poke <laughs> that one. Um, that was what happened when the test changed because uh, our local test centre um, didn't hasn't got a car park. It's it's got a thing that they call a car park, but definitely not suitable for parking. Um, and there were questions from instructors who've been doing it for a long time who were saying, I hope they're going to give us parking bays to go and practice in. I hope that they're, that, you know, that they're going to tell us how we need to do this. Um, and clearly we're not teaching it before. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I, I do feel sometimes it has to be on the test for it to be, Still done. Um, you know, turning in the road, reverse corner. Um, when I am out there, I, I love teaching them because they're really useful. Um, I'm not missing them on the test because I, I quite like the the, the new manoeuvre. Are they still new? The new manoeuvres. But the, we need to, just we all need to step up and teach, you know, what's necessary. Stop going to particular areas you know, just, just get them driving safely. I I always teach Turnit Road because I think it's very similar to a forward bay park. Yeah. Oh, that's not the reason why, but that, that's like a, I explained it to her, she was like that. I, I give them the option of reverse around the corner. It's probably a 50-50 split of people that want to do it. The Yeah, the, the one thing I would say, the, the only thing to add on to that would be uh, the 
be more open or I don't know what the word is uh, regarding the, the method you use to teach reverse bay parking because I tend to, to use two so you, where you come in uh, sort of parallel with the bays and then reverse back in on the ones where you go an angle and come back in uh, so for at the test centre when you're already in the bay and you've got to come out and turn and go back in it's often easier to do it at that 90 degree angle rather than a 45 degree angle. But if you're going into a public car park, it's probably in a lot of cases going to be easier to turn away from the bay and reverse back in. But yeah, so just be aware of what you're teaching your students. And again, I'm not meaning to be a preacher, but even if it's not on test, it can still be beneficial. Anything else you would like to add on? A uh, bit of a bumper edition today, Chris. Anything you'd like to, to cover from the last last month or so? No, I I think, you know, everybody is working really hard and I'd just like to take a minute to acknowledge that, that, you know, everyone's doing their best. There is support out there. Get in touch. Um, you know, if you can't find what you need, we'll point you in the direction of it because it's very easy to feel on your own. Um, and, yeah, I, I think that's that's the thing for me. That That's what my last month has been, um, is, is just recognizing how hard people are working and doing their best that the public don't always appreciate it because we're an obstacle in the way um it's okay to say no um you know it, it, you're doing the right thing stick with it and uh everything it we're getting used to it if it's not settling down so that's got to be good i love our industry i think there's so much to shout about I think that, you know, we've got podcasts, we've got YouTube channels, we've got amazing people that give away stuff, that, that sell stuff. We've got uh, Facebook groups that are beneficial. We've got, um, God knows what else, magazines and associations and collectives and got all these different apps you can use for different stuff. And we've got different experts in different fields. I've, you know, random people messaging me saying, I can find your driving tests earlier. You know, all this amazing stuff that um, that is out available to us now. And I just think it's a wonderful place to be in. Um, and I don't know whether that's me opening my eyes up a bit more or whether that there's more happening at the minute. I don't know, or maybe even a bit of both. But uh, I think it's a great place to be in despite some of the questions. And, uh, yes, I was hoping to get maybe you love day rider or, or someone from the dvsa if they listen to this one that's not going to happen on season three so if you are a dvsa representative and you listen to this show, let me know what you think I'd, I'd be interested in your thoughts um if you're not a dvsa representative and you are just an instructor or anyone else then again let me know give me your thoughts and as always head over to the instructorpodcast.com and you can fill in the feedback questions over there which is always helpful for me as well uh, and i know we did it early christmas tell people where they can find you Find me, best place is always the ditc.co.uk um, or feel free to look me up on Facebook. Um, but lots of Facebook likes hiding messages. So, um, you know, if I don't respond, shout again. I'm not ignoring you. I look forward to get, getting the requests. Definitely. And as I said, uh, the instructorpodcast.com, you can go over there and you can find the back catalogue of episodes. Uh, I think we're about 57, 58 episodes in now. You can find the spotlighted episodes where I go into more detail. You can find the uh, historical 
customers, because not customers, that's what I teach. Uh, what do you call them? Guests. The historical guests that I've got on with little profiles and links to all their stuff. Uh, you can find the blog that I write over there that some people really enjoy. Um, and you can find what else have we got over there? All the premium stuff is over there as well. So you can go over and sign up to premium. £10 a month, you get a £10 discount off Bob Martin's Client Center Learning. You get a 16% discount off of Gorodi. You will get the month free in February if you're a DITC member or become a DITC member. And on top of that, you get a shed load of, excuse my language, shit hot content uh, focused from me um, to help you improve your health, self and wealth. Uh, But hopefully that's it for me now until the start of March where we return with season three of the podcast. Hope you had a great Christmas. Hope you had a great new year. The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them.